Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Take that same hand and pat yourself on the shoulder. Because today you have a very powerful ministry. And if that lady sitting next to you has a child that has a hard time making it through the service... You are going to rise to the occasion today, and you are going to take hold of that little baby and head them on out, and you're going to have fun out there. You dads, you've got great dad jokes. You can swap them, get some new ones under your belt. You'll have a fun time out there, but this altar call, this service is for her today. God has a special gift for her, and we want to give, make sure that she can enjoy it and receive it and be filled She needs it. So thank you, men. Thank you, dads, for stepping up today. But I want to jump right into the word of the Lord this morning and turn your attention to Matthew 11, 28 through 30, a very familiar passage of scripture. While you're turning there, I want to also give special recognition to two very special mothers in my life. First, to my mother, Sister Judy Bullock. The good Lord knows that without his grace and her fierce, fierce, faithful prayers, Lord knows where I would be today. So I honor her. And I also want to honor the queen, mother of our church. She is watching, watching the Gleason brood today, but we are so thankful for her covering today and who, how she represents this church. And these lavender plants are from the church for you today to take home, to honor you And I relinquished them because I kept them alive for 10 days, and I did my part. So we gladly give them to you today, and we honor you. So Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. And you will find rest For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And today, with the help of the Lord, I want to just speak for a few minutes, maybe more like 20, um, on the subject of how to wear the garment of rest. How to wear the garment of rest. So, over the last several months, I've been kind of taking a mental inventory of responses that I get when I ask this question Hey, how are you doing? And I met very familiarly with two. And it's usually, oh, I'm good. (laughs) I'm tired, but I'm good, you know. And the second one that I get, and I just heard it. I just heard it this morning. And it's, I'm good. Hanging in there. (laughs) I'm hanging in there. And when I hear that, because I've said it before, hanging in there is actually secretly code for I'm dangling by a thread of overwhelm and exhaustion, but you've got that convincing smile on your face, so it's kind of like, don't ask. You don't want to know. <laughs> and I think, I, I, it's, it's gotten me to thinking in these super short exchanges with other women, was this, was this what God had in mind for us, for women? 
Are we meant to run ourselves ragged in the name of being productive, whether it's at home, at work, or any of the extracurricular things that we have in life? Are we mothers putting unhealthy pressures on ourselves because it's what's expected of us? So society says it's normal, so then it, it's, it's normal. I can tell you this, in the mind of God, that is not normal. I can't find it in the word anywhere, not even going way on back to the curse. We, women, we weren't even cursed with fatigue. We weren't, he wasn't like, boom, you're going to be tired all the time and overrun and burdened. He didn't want that for us. Instead, we were created for a very, very, very intentional and powerful purpose. In Genesis 2.18, it says that women were created because things were not right without her. Something was not good. It was not good for man to be alone. Think about that. Here's Adam walking in the garden with God. They have this really awesome, untattered friendship, and, and they're walking together. And God's like, mm not good. He says, let there be light. And it was good. He creates all the animals. It's good. And then he creates man and he's like, "Mm, not good. Not that man isn't good, but it just wasn't good for him to be alone. So then in steps Eve. Wow. Finally, the crown of creation, the cherry on top, so to speak. God tells us in Genesis 1.27 that he created him both male and female in his image. So we ladies, mothers here today, you bear the image of God. This signals to us that there's a very powerful representation and a necessary purpose. We help demonstrate God's wondrous beauty and his heart for relationships. Case in point, I take my three children to the park. We wrap it up. It's time to go. We get in the car. And mind you, at the playground, my littlest, who's learned how to walk and is everywhere all at once, I'm running after him while I've got eyes. My head is on a swivel, right? I can see where my daughter's at. I know where, I know where the wild one is. I know where Cohen's at. It's a while, and I'm getting hot, and I'm hungry. And I'm like, okay, guys, it's time to go. (laughs) Almost nap time. So we get in the car, and the first thing, Mom, this is Melina. I I met my new friend, and her name is Sage. And she's seven, but she's only lost five teeth, and I've lost eight. And she's got a little ways to go, but that's okay. And her birthday is just a few weeks after mine, so we're really close, and and we're friends. And, And she has a brown labradoodle, just like the one that I want. And her little brother's a little feisty like mine, but they'll learn. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and this is why we don't tell you your social security number. <laughs> this is a little bit too much information for the first little meet and greet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And Cohen's like, yeah, Mom. Did you see me at the top of the hill with that other boy? We were standing up there, and we had pine cones, and we were rubbing them in the dirt, and we were throwing them down at the, at the pirates because we didn't want them to come up to the top of the hill and, and get our buried treasure, so we knocked them down good. And I'm like... That's great, bud. Awesome. 
my daughter is over there cultivating and, and negotiating relationships while my child is just trying to hurt people. <laughs> There's a key difference there between the image that we bear. It's in our DNA. We meet people. We're relational. We can talk with somebody's ear off. So how is it then that during these times that we're living in, the end times, do we walk around with that convincing smile like, I'm great, I'm tired, but I'm great. We've got that smile on our face, but inside, some of you are heavy. You're burdened. Sometimes you're worried. You're stressed out. You're full of anxiety. There's lack of peace. There's a feeling of unrest. And it's because the enemy of our soul is trying to weigh us down to the point of unfulfilling our God-given purpose. He's attacking our identity so that the things that we were created for will fall apart. If he can distract us with the cares of this world, with the day-to-day, with the fatigue, with the one thing after another season, you know what I'm talking about? You solve one problem and then you just walk right on into another and it's just one thing after another. And you're like, what in the world? Those are seasons. And if the enemy can do that, then he can strategically gain access to the things that we hold dear and that we were created to cultivate. Our relationships. So going back to my key text in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, I read this scripture from obviously the female perspective. So it sits differently with me. And it truly paints God as such a gentleman. He's kind. He's lowly at heart. He's loving. He literally in this scripture is telling us, I just want to walk with you. Yoke up to me, shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. I don't want you to have to worry about that. I just want to walk with you. I want to hold your hand. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship, a deep relationship with you. He's literally revealing to us in this scripture, to women especially here, a very special gift, the gift of rest. And he's here this morning, and this is for you. My prayer is that you will walk out of here with this gift, that you will not leave it here, but you will take it with you. Amen. And so I'm going to just show what this looks like. So just hold on. So this is like his yoke. This is no more than two ounces. I don't even hardly know that it's on, except that it's a piece of fabric that I can hold that I'm connected to him with. This is his yoke. It's light. It's effortless. It's the way that it should be when we walk shoulder to shoulder with our creator, with our father, our master. He's loving and he's tender and he's lowly hearted and he's gentle. He's got the heavy end of it. We've just got to wear it to be connected to him. And especially when you think about the yoke, you don't, the Bible doesn't say pull it behind you push it in front of you. It says, take my yoke upon you. You have to wear it. Some of you, life has taught you some things. Some of you have gone through some stuff. And it's caused you to feel the need to problem solve on your own. If you're a mom here today, 
a problem solver just instinctly like it got infused into your job description you are constantly every day mommy need a band-aid mom mom I don't know I don't know and you're solving problems like on the fly it's amazing but life has taught you maybe that God is able to help you and he can oh but these little small things these small little matters I don't want to bother him with it it's insignificant, so I'll just handle it on my own because I don't, I, don't, oh, I don't want to burden God. He's got a lot. And it's almost like you're trying to do him a favor, but you're really deceiving yourself into adding more weight onto this easy yoke that the Lord has given to you and that he wants you to wear. And I asked my pastor, he's going to help me here because this extra one here is a little heavier, a little bit more awkward. It's actually a 20-pound weighted blanket, so we're going to... Thank you. And then some of you, some of you have walked through some valleys. You've got some deep, deep, heavy burdens. Some of you have gone through loss, through trauma, and you've got grief, and it's heavy. And you've taken it upon yourself. Maybe because you forgot that God really has it, or maybe because you just don't know how to let control go. And maybe you don't know how to give it to God. It's kind of like, and this, these weights, they don't just happen all at once, you know? They kind of get accumulated over time. But this is what some of you look like spiritually. You're just, you're hunched over. And you are just one more incident away from having a complete and total breakdown because it's just too much. And God never intended this for you. He never created you for this burden. This was not his idea for you or his plan or his purpose for you. It's like that frog in the boiling pot of water. I know some of you have heard that story, but for those of you that haven't, I'll share it again. It's like that frog. You put him in a pot of boiling hot water on the stove and he'll instantly jump out because he can sense this is not right this is dangerous but you go to put that same frog in a lukewarm or room temperature pot of water and then you set him on the stove and you turn the heat on just just slightly and you leave him there for a little while you go back 10 minutes later crank up the heat a little bit let them boil a little, or let them get a little hotter. And you do that, and you keep doing that, and all of a sudden, that poor little frog, he'll cook himself to death because he was unaware of the dangers as he acclimated to his climate. And this is some of you. You've just gotten so used to, and you've almost developed, like, muscles for it. But this is not for you. This is not what he has for you. He doesn't want you to be tired. He doesn't want you to be weary. He doesn't want you to be bogged down. So what are we supposed to do? What do you do? How do you, how do you wear this garment of rest that he wants to have, that he has for me, that he wants to gift me with? And we look today to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And another very familiar passage of scripture, but I like to look at this scripture as a formula. Two parts. 
Verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Whew. For nothing. Not your broken relationship. Not your backslidden loved one. Not that unfair, unjust lawsuit. Not that baby that if you close your eyes, you can see yourself holding it and you can hear its cry, but the doctors just told you you couldn't have it. Not for that job you just lost or that's on the line. Be anxious for nothing. In turn, though, bring everything. And this tells this, this word everything here to me sticks out like a sore thumb. Everything. Even the little things that we think are just insignificant. Because God knows they add up. They accumulate everything. Everything so that you don't end up looking like this in the spirit world. Everything by prayer and supplication. And with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And this is part two. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This peace here will surpass or transcend all understanding. And this, by definition, quite literally means that it will rise above or go beyond the ordinary limitations or physical needs and human realities. This, quite honestly, means that science cannot measure it. It cannot be measured. It cannot be explained. It is beyond our realm of understanding, this peace. And I hear it. I hear this verse prayed for over people, and I love it. And it's so appropriate, especially when somebody has lost someone or they're grieving. Oh, God, give them that peace that passes all understanding. <laughs> and it's, it's so beautiful, and it's meant with such great intentions, but... That peace there, it's not like a light switch. It doesn't just mean that when you pray that over somebody, they're just, oh, I'm not sad anymore. That's not what that peace does. The Bible says that the peace will guard your heart and your mind. Guard it from what? Why do I, why does, why, why? Why does my heart need to be guarded? It is because your great, all-knowing, wonderful Father knew exactly where the enemy was going to go when he wanted to play. Your heart and your mind is the playground for the enemy. It's his entrance point. And if you do not have this peace guarding your heart and your mind, it's fair game. I have never seen somebody who is sad who's depressed, who's complaining, griping, gossip. I have never seen somebody have that peace in that situation. Because if, you are, if you're the one and you're praying for people to have that peace, and they have not done verse 6, they can't have it. You have to do verse 6 in order to have verse 7. Part one of the formula, you have to pray. Step one. Step two, 
trust. You pray, and then you trust. You bring it to God, and then you wait, and you let him handle it, and you let him work it out. The big things, the little things, all of it. Step one, you pray. Step two, you just trust. You trust that the same God in Romans 8, 28, who said, I'm working all of it together for the good, for them who are in Christ Jesus. You trust that he is the same God that is giving you the peace in this situation. So what does this look like? I'm going to tell you what this is going to look like for some of you. You're going to come here, and all you're going to do is you're going to take it off. And it's going to be heavy for some of you. And you're going to say, God, I don't know how I accumulated all of this. I didn't want it. I didn't wake up someday thinking that I wanted to have this broken relationship. I didn't want my husband to lose his job. I didn't want to get that bad health report. But Lord, here's my stuff. Here's the weights that I accidentally put on me when all you created me for and designed me for was this little light yoke. And I forgot and I, I started pulling things off of your load, Lord, and taking it on as my own. This, this has been really heavy for me, God, and I understand that you have rest here for me today, and I want to take a hold of that. So I'm bringing this to you with thanksgiving and gladness in my heart because, Lord, it's an opportunity for you to do a miracle in my life. It's an opportunity for you to have the glory for me to be able to come out of this and tell somebody and to share my testimony. So, God, I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to take back the yoke that you originally gave me. And then you're just going to leave it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever read... In Galatians 6 and 9, where it says, Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Have you ever, this is a moment of transparency for me, because I've read this verse of scripture in some particularly exhausting seasons of my life, and I've read it, and I've been like, (laughs) hey, God, um, you know, I know that you see all the things I have going on, and I'm literally exhausted. (laughs) How am I not supposed to be tired right now? I want to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And it hit me one day, just like a ton of bricks. Do not be weary. Notice how the Bible doesn't say, do not get weary. The good Lord knows that we're created from dust, walking around in bones with skin on it. Sorry, that sounded really gross. 
but we're flesh. We're going to be tired. We're going to get there. We're going to get tired every day, day in and out. We're tired. It's just the territory. It's being human. The commandment was not do not get tired. The commandment here was do not be weary. How do you not be weary? You go to the formula. Two books later, Philippians tells you how to not be weary in well-doing. Wow. And if we apply that and we do that, he says that in due season you will reap if you faint not. That means, moms, you will reap. And that stuck out to me and I thought, reap? What am I planting in a valley? I'm in survival mode. How do you reap? How do you come out of that and be like, oh, oh, and start plucking things as if though you intentionally were planting anything? But the Lord promises you, even in the valley, I'm working it all together for your good. That means when you come out of it and you turn around and you say, oh, it's reaping season. So, oh, yes, okay, I get it. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to reap that compassion now that I've been through that. I, yeah, I'm going to collect that. That long-suffering. Oh, there was that faith. I didn't, okay, going to harvest that. Some of you go through things completely unknowing that coming out of it, you are going to gather things. You're going to have more wisdom. You'll have more patience. You'll have more understanding. You'll have things. You'll be able to gather things. If you can learn to not be weary, the Bible says you will reap in due season if you faint not. How do you not faint? You pray, and then you trust, and you don't add anything more to here. I'm looking around today, and I see some Hagars. You single moms, you are your own breed of exhaustion. And I want to tell you from the Lord today that he has a double portion of rest for you today. Because you've, your yoke got a little heavier. So you're going to walk out feeling even lighter today. But Hagar, when she was dismissed from the house of Abraham, she was sent away with food and water, and it lasted her a little while. But the Bible says that she was crying out to God that she left Ishmael. Ishmael was crying out to God by a bush, and she... She had to walk away because she said, God, God, I can't watch my son die. And she cried out to God. And he sent an angel. And that angel ministered to that exact need. And there's a whole generation of Ishmael today. 
And I want to speak to the Hagar, to a mom here today, that maybe you're not solely physically responsible for your child's well-being, but maybe you're emotionally, spiritually responsible. I want to tell you from the Lord today, you're going to be okay. And your Ishmael is going to be okay. And I know this because I'm the product of a Hagar. And I get to tell on my mom, well, because I can. But that precious woman there, wow. I made it to high school. My brother, I was, when I was a freshman, my brother was a sophomore, so we were just a year apart. And I never knew this until after I graduated. But she used to wake up at 5 a.m. to get ready for work, to be there at 6 a.m., punch the clock, and then be home by 3 so that we could make it home from school. She'd be there when we get off the school bus, get our homework going, and put a hot meal on the table. But when I hit freshman year, she was like, whoa, we're going to have to amp up the spirituality here a little bit. So... She started setting the good old alarm clock for 4 a.m., getting ready for work like usual. And instead of going in early and coming home a little earlier to maybe get a much-deserved nap or some me time, she woke up at 4 a.m. to go drive to my high school parking lot and pray. Monday through Friday, for an hour, for four years, Most of the time, it was 20 below. But she was a Hagar. And she didn't know what else to do other than to just cry out to God. Some days, if I could have been a fly on the wall, she was praying for our protection. She was praying that we would, you know, make good friendship connections and that our academics would be good. But now that I'm a mom... I know that most of those prayer meetings, she was just crying out to God, Lord, I don't, I don't know what else to do. Watch out for my children. Let them be okay. I don't know if I'm doing this right, but they're yours. And I didn't make this, I didn't make this connection until years later, but I'll never forget it. It was a Thursday morning, my junior year. And I walked into first period, and I stopped at my locker. And I was turning the combination on my locker, and I could hear some girls behind me whispering, skirts all the time, and she's really long hair. Ew, it's gross. I don't give I knew they were talking about me. And the normal me would have been like, do you know who I am in the Lord right now? No, no. But I was having a very specifically hard week. I remember exactly what happened and how it just spiraled for me that week. And so when I walked in Thursday morning, I was just not my usual bold self. And when I got that locker door opened, I shoved my skinny little narrow face right into the locker. And I whispered, God. I just really need you today. And I stepped back, grabbed my chem book, grabbed my econ book, and I threw it in my bag back when 
shoulder bags were really cool, and we really wanted to go see the chiropractor later on in life. <sighs> Threw it over my shoulder, and I was walking at a brisk pace with my arm kind of swinging out like this. And about five seconds later, after I shut my locker door, I felt a hand grab my hand. And I, I turned around instantly because I thought it was one of my best friends coming to say hello, and no one was there. What I didn't realize is that I was the Ishmael crying out to God, but there was already a Hagar in the parking lot praying angels to stand guard over that campus, and they were ready. They were waiting to be called out onto assignment. Hagar here today, let me tell you from the Lord, the greatest gift that you can give your child is a prayer, a fierce and consistent prayer. The enemy wants to steal them away from you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to create fear. I know you're tired. I know that you're buckling and crippling under the weight. As these days wax more and more evil, you're worried, are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to turn out okay? Just pray. Oh, Hagar, just pray. They're going to be okay. The Lord's got his hand upon them. If our musicians could please come, and I do have two very special ladies that are going to come help me at this time to help visualize the importance of Philippians 4 and 6. They're going to help show why this is so vital and so important to bring everything to him. And don't think that if the enemy is going to be bold enough and have the audacity enough to go to Jesus and try to tempt the author of the book as he comes out of the wilderness I mean the audacity, right? This is the author of the book, and you're coming to him, trying to weaken him. That's crazy. He's going to come for you, too. When you've got a valley, when you're in, a, in an exhaustion season of your life, he's near. And this is not to create fear. This is to create an awareness for you today, to empower you and equip you, because we are not, the Bible says, we're not ignorant of how he plays. So I'm going to paint a scenario, and this is from nobody's personal situation specifically, but if these apply to you, praise God. So let's pretend it's Monday morning, and you're getting ready to drive to work, and your car breaks down. And after they tow it and diagnose it, your transmission, gone. $2,700. It's amazing how you can be on a mountaintop, and like a day later plummeting like straight down into a valley without a parachute. And in those moments, when you're down, when you feel weakened, there's going to be talking. There's going to be some thought processes going on. So you found out you need a new transmission, and your emergency account is already pretty drained because you just took care of something else in this one thing after another season we've been talking about. Then Wednesday, you get a call back from the doctor. Your blood work came in, and it's not super great, and they want to just meet with you. 
talk with you about some things that immediately sets in panic and fear because they're not giving you all the details. And then Saturday night, you get a phone call from your kid, your beautiful child that you've raised that has spread his wings or her wings. And they have said, Mom, you know, I love you and I respect you and I respect the church, but it's just not for me. I just cannot accept that a wonderful God would send anyone to hell. And I just, I have found a place that feels a little bit better suited for my beliefs. That's a rough week for any mom, for anybody. That's a rough week. And he's going for your thoughts and he's going for your feelings. And you need to be able to access this peace so that your heart and your mind can be guarded, literally locked down like Fort Knox. That is how people walk through the valley and they're completely unscathed. It's because they have figured out how to get this peace that passes all understanding, but you can't have it unless you've gone to him first. But those angels, they're guarding it here and here. So when he comes knocking, you've got a rebuttal. Here's what the enemy would say to your car problem. Here's what it would sound like. $2,700. Wow. How are you going to pay this unexpected bill? Surely God understands your situation right now. After all, he allowed it to happen. Doesn't it say somewhere in there to render to Caesar what is his and then to God what is God's? That means it's okay to pay this bill first because his word also says to owe no debt to no man. The Lord knows your heart and that you want to be faithful to your tithes and offerings, but these bills shouldn't keep stacking up. That's just not good stewardship. Do you see how he twisted that? Those are some things that can start to just fester. Here's what the Lord would say about your car trouble. Doesn't my word say, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus showed us how to do it. When the enemy came knocking, the Lord showed us, go to my word. I've got the answer. And I can feel faith rising in the house today. There's some financial blessings that are coming. 
They're coming. Here's what the enemy would say about the phone call from your doctor. Obviously, it's going to be cancer or some type of chronic disease. Anytime they want to meet with you in person to go over your blood work, it's because of abnormalities, and it's something really serious. And why shouldn't it be? Look at how you take care of your so-called temple. Look at what runs in your family. Why would God heal someone who isn't doing their part? Look at how many people you have loved that have either suffered or passed away, and God hasn't healed them. Why should you be any different? That's real talk. Those are real thoughts. And I know the enemy has spoken that to some of you. I know the worry. I know the fear. But how do we rebuke that? How do we resist the enemy? Let's listen to what God would say about your health problem. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive it if you have faith. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Behold, I, the Lord, will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. I will strengthen him on his bed of illness. I will sustain him on his sickbed but to you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like soft-fed calves so you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you some of you are going to walk out of here with his rest and his healing. There's faith here today. It's here. He's here. He's gentle. He's lowly at heart. He wants to do these things for you. So why shouldn't it be you? You're his child. In Jesus' name. This is what the enemy wants to tell you about your prodigal. Here's what it sounds like. At this point, you need to just accept this as a reality if you want to keep a good relationship and communication with her. Just be kind and show her all the love and make sure she knows that you are okay with her choices. That way she won't feel conviction around you and you won't want to cut off the relationship altogether. At the end of the day, you are the reason she has chosen this path. Look at how you approach truth to her. Look at how you lived your life and then try to force Jesus down her throat like some control freak. Have you seen what she looks like on social media? She is clearly sending a message. She's almost unrecognizable. Don't you know who she married? Yeah, there is no turning it around at this point. 
she's never coming back. But as a mother, you should just be happy for her because she is finally happy and at peace in her life. Mm. Hey, mama of the prodigal. The word of the Lord is stronger than the enemy. When the enemy lies, we know the opposite is the truth. Here's what God says about your prodigal. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in them will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Thank you, ladies. If we could all stand. I've got a word for the moms here today with a prodigal. If you've ever heard the enemy as, with the audacity, our musicians, our singers, they can come and get ready. He has spoken that to you. Any of these situations. That is why it is so important to take your thoughts captive. Where are they coming from? Challenge it against the word of God. Because whatever he has spoken to you that the lie is, it's because he knows what the truth is. And you can call his bluff. So some of you with the prodigals, you might as well do your victory lap ahead of time because they're coming back. It's a given. He's already told you. He's trying to discourage you, to keep you off your knees. If he can discourage you and weigh you down and depress you and add weight and play off of your feelings and these thoughts, take it to the book. Moms, this altar call is open for you today. Ladies, to you as well. The Lord has a portion of rest to give to you today. Have you come? Have you come heavy? Do you, do you even, you can't even maybe even pinpoint it. But there's a weight. God is here. He's here to transition, to be able to trade with you. Take it off. Get honest with him. Say, God, I don't know how it happened but I want to grab hold of this gift of this rest. It's long-term. It's not just that extra hour nap you get to take today, moms. This is long-term rest.
and they're going to play and they're going to sing, but just linger a little while. This is for you today. I bless each and every mother with rest to the troubled mind, to the weary soul, to the heavy heart. Lord God, may they be able to lay it down today, to set it down. Come on, mamas, press on in. There's room. Lay it down. Let them put the rest back on you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.